Well, we're going to continue our series that we began last week, a couple weeks ago, and I've asked Michael Hansen to share with us today. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's quite a cheer. We're all cheered out from the Buckeye game, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. Well, hey, uh, as Danny was saying, t- uh, two weekends ago, he kicked off uh, our series for the new year, and it's called The Healthy Church. And, and really what we're looking at is, well, what does a healthy church look like? What does a healthy church act like? And it's important when you hear the word church, don't think building, right? The church is us. It's people. And it's not just us here when we talk about the church. The, the church is the church, all, you know, the global church. So think, make sure to think bigger than it's not just Sundays. It's wherever we go, the church goes. So, um, but last, or two weekends ago when Danny was kicking off this series, he made this statement that uh, uh, a healthy church is a gathering of people who who have chosen to respond to God's call. And God's call is, come, follow me. Right? A healthy church is, has chosen to respond, but a, a healthy church is also a gathering of people that deliberately live each day to walk that call out. Now, uh, what Danny, uh, the first uh, two weekends ago, Danny started off by saying a healthy church is a church that's, do you remember that? Oh, no. This is always encouraging as a pastor. I, well, it has been two weeks. It's a church that gathers, right? Maybe you weren't here. Maybe that's the problem. If you weren't here, I would strongly encourage you to, to get a hold of that CD. It's on uh, Info Counter as you go. But in the Bible, there's a really clear picture of the church as a body, right? It's, it talks about Jesus as the, as the head of the church. And then us, we, this gathering of people, and again, not just us here, but this global church, all these people are all necessary and important parts that make up this body, the body of Christ, the church. And a healthy body is a body that's connected. I mean, if my lungs were sitting over there, I would be, having a, I'd be struggling a little bit right now, right? So a, an unhealthy church is a church that's disconnected. And increasingly in our culture, I would say the church is unhealthy because we, we tend not to gather like we used to. So I'd encourage you again, uh, grab a hold of that CD if you, didn't, if you didn't hear it. But today, as you can see on the screen, I'm going to be looking at uh, healthy church is a church that serves. Now, it would be really easy for me, and, and you might already be thinking this, to, uh, to use this topic today, a healthy church is a, is a church that serves, to, you know, to make it a big recruitment weekend, right? To get people to sign up and get you know, busy here at the church. And the, and the reality is that for us to pull off all that we do on the weekend, it requires lots of volunteers. It requires lots of people doing what we call uh, family chores. So there's people making coffee. Aren't you glad people made coffee this morning? <laughs> there's uh, people greeting at the door. There's ushers that are ushing. Uh, you know, people, it'll be, it'll be Google. Well, okay, I'll just keep going. But there's, uh, there's lots of people right now are teaching kids. Are, are leading worship for kids. There's people playing with, with babies and holding babies. There's, uh, you know, working with our middle schoolers. There's, after the service, the next service, there's people that jump up and stack all the chairs and stuff. So, so you know, I, I, I think I would be silly not to take the, the opportunity. If, if you do consider this your church home and you aren't involved, you aren't serving, you aren't getting in with, uh, you know, on the family chores, well, let me strongly encourage you to to 
to get involved. To, uh, you can go on the website and just look up Kim Davis. Let her know what service you go to. And I promise you, she will, she'll find some, uh, get, she'll put you to work. But, but that is not what, uh, or the direction I'm going to take this morning. Looking at this topic of a, you know, a healthy church is a church that serves. And if you were here last weekend, uh, we had a guest speaker, um, Lance Pitluck from out in Anaheim, California. And he, I, don't, I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but all of a sudden he stopped in the middle of his message and he looked at us and he said, he made this, he, he said this, this phrase, he said, now you do realize that God's plan for your life is to make you like Jesus, right? He just sort of stopped and it, you know, like you do realize that God's primary plan, his goal for your life is to make you more like Jesus. And, and Martin Luther, uh, the German theologian, coined this phrase, uh, little Christs, that God's plan for us, this side of heaven, is that we be these little Christs running around, right? That, 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 you know, God's plan for you and for me, it's way more than just an hour of volunteering on the weekend, right? It's way more than that. He, when you say yes to Jesus and he moves into your life, he doesn't just come in and go, oh, well, let's move this chair over here and maybe we'll repaint. Let's get an accent wall. We'll repaint. Like, he wants to renovate your life. He wants to make you more like Jesus. He wants you increasingly in your life to act like Jesus, to increasingly look like, talk like, that, that what's important to Jesus would increasingly become important to, to us as the people that are following. Well, so instead of focusing on, on like the, the activity of serving, what I want to look at today is, is I want to look at the, uh, the beliefs that, that fuel our service. So John 13, uh, in your Bible, if you, if you did turn to it, it would say the heading on the chapter would be the Last Supper, right? So now most of you know, okay, I know what you're talking about. But just think about this. Here's Jesus. It says in verse 1 of John 13, it says, you know, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave, right? So he's, he, he knows, okay, I'm, my time on earth is done. I'm going to go back to my father. And here he is. He's sitting there. He's looking at his disciples. He knows it's time for him to leave. And I really don't think they totally understood that, right? And he's looking at these 12 guys, and he knows that one of them is going to betray him. And he knows that the other 11, in the next day or so, their, their world is just going to blow up, right? He knows that they're coming into a really hard time. And, and so he, you know, there's Jesus. He, 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 he's aware that his time with these guys is limited. So it's like, what is he going to do with this limited time that he has? What is he going to do to, you know, to reinforce, to drive home all that he's been teaching these guys and, 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 and all that he's been modeling for them? So what does he do? Well, in verse 1, it, it says that, that uh, he now showed them, Jesus now showed them the full extent of his love. And you know the story. What does he do? Jesus gets down on his knees, and he washes their feet. And after he does that, here's what it says, John 13, verse 12. It says, like, do you understand what I've done for you? You guys, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. Now listen to this. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So what does he do with the limited time? He sums it all up. He sums up his, you know, all his teaching and all the modeling, all that he showed them. Right? He sums it all up with love expressed through serving. So today what I want to look at is I want to look at three, uh, three beliefs that, that inspire, that, that fuel you know, a healthy uh, serving church. And here's the thing. Today, I, I, what God wants to do today, it, it, again, in this context of, of serving, is he wants to take us beyond, you know, uh, beyond the motivation of obligation, right? Or beyond the motivation of guilt, right? Today, and, and the picture I have is he's going after our hearts, right? He wants to change our hearts. He wants to make us little Christs. So let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in and uh, to our notes. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here. I thank you for, uh, and, and I don't take for granted just your presence here today. It's just obvious that, that, that you're with us, Lord. And I pray today, I know what I'm going to be saying, and I know that it's just, it's impossible without you changing our hearts. It's impossible for us to follow your example, Jesus. It is just so beyond us. So I ask today, you know us, you know where we're at, you know what, you, what you're working on in all of our lives. I pray today that you would come close and just, that, that you'd go after our hearts, Lord. I pray today that you would you just continue the work you're doing. Uh, we look to you or, and ask that you would come. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you don't have a Bible, we've got them at the front and also at the back. And I'm going to be jumping around a bit, but... Uh, uh, but I encourage you, if you don't, just to, to grab one. But number one in your notes, it says a healthy serving church is a church that believes that God has made us for a purpose, right? A healthy church, a serving church is a church that believes that God has made us for a purpose. And when you consider that, you know, like what's my purpose here on earth, right? What's my purpose? And, and sometimes when I, when I look at my own life or I, or I just in, in talking with other people, you would think as, as followers of Jesus, you would think that our, our purpose or we think that our purpose is uh, to avoid certain sins and to manage certain sins, right? It's like, it's like we've got to run this race and if we get to heaven with as little, as, and get as little dirt on our clothes as possible. Right? Well, if that was the case, if our purpose in life was, if you're, you know, a follower of Jesus is, you got to get your life, you got to get everything right and stuff. If that really was God's purpose for our life, don't you think that when we, when we said yes to him, like, you know, do you believe in me? Yes, I believe in you. Don't you think, like, I, I think uh, like a drive through bank, there'd be like this big plastic tube, it would just suck us up to heaven? Because why leave us, I mean, if that's the purpose, just to get it right, let's get them out of here before they have a chance to, to mess it up, Right? But the reality is, we're still here. Right? Uh, earlier this week, uh, Helen and I got to go to a, a, a pastor's retreat. And on the first night, they, they brought this couple in. They interviewed this couple who, I mean, they're like in their mid to late 80s. You can believe that? 
But no, they, they uh, you know, and they've been married for like 60-some years. They've been in ministry, uh, like all around the world. I think it was Campus Crusade, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, pro- probably been in ministry for like 50-plus years. And one of the questions they asked this, this couple was, uh, what's kept you focused all these years? You know, what, what's kept you running the race? What's kept you following Jesus? And, and this was their answer. They said, it's, it's believing, taking seriously that we've been given a mission from God. It's believing that every day of our lives when we wake up that, that we're still here on planet Earth because God has a mission for us. God has a purpose for us. And that purpose, simply put, is that we, you know, we partner with him in this rescuing work that, that he's doing on planet Earth. And, and you know, when you hear mission from God and rescuing work, don't, don't just think like pastors and missionaries. Don't just think churchy things. Like, of course, that's part of it. But, but a healthy church is a people who believe that God made them for a purpose, and that purpose is to be little Christs wherever we go and whatever we do, right? Luke 19, 10, this, this sums up the, you know, the, the rescue mission. Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost, right? Jesus goes, hey, you want me to sum up my, my purpose here on planet Earth? I'm here to rescue people. I'm here to save lost people. And here's the thing, a, a healthy church, a, a serving church, we need to take that little verse right there and let it soak in uh, to not just our minds or understanding, but let it soak into our hearts, let it soak in to just every aspect of, of, of our lives, right? Don't just let it soak into, you know, a couple hours Sunday morning or a couple hours Wednesday night, right? It's let it soak into every aspect of our lives that we would that we would uh, see that all that we do, Monday through Sunday, every, all our activities, that, that we'd see it through that purposeful mindset, right? So the gifts you have, the abilities they have, that you have, it's not just to make a living, it's not just to keep us busy, right? But there's a purpose in all that we do in these lives. Matthew uh, 5.16 says, uh, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? So he's saying, like, don't, don't just let your light shine here when, when we gather together. It's let your light shine, uh, uh, you know, wherever you go and whatever you do. Right? I, uh, I worked for uh, eight years down at Vineyard Columbus. You know, the, we call it the big house. And uh, after eight years, I, uh, I was leaving there, and they had a party, and, and uh, I got some cards, like, it's about time, we're glad you're leaving. You know, I'm sure they meant well. No, I'm teasing. I didn't get any of those, or I didn't keep any of those. Uh, but, but there was one card that I received from, from a, someone I work with, and I, I, I've, that card I have in the, in the top drawer of, of my desk here at work. And in those days when I just, uh, you know, I'm having a tough day or I just feel like a loser, I will open that drawer and I'll read that card. And this is just a, uh, a snippet of what they said. This person wrote, you know, I've worked, I've worked here for three years and I've heard lots of messages 
I've gone to lots of conferences. But I want you to know that I've learned more about God and about life from watching the way you live than from all those messages. Now, here's the thing, because I worked very closely with that person. I, when I read that, I thought, really? Because they've seen me, you know, at my best, but they've, they've also seen me at my not best. Right? But, here, but here's the thing. See, a healthy, serving church believes, right, that God's made a purpose, but also add to that is that as we walk that purpose out, that God somehow is able to shine through you and me just being ourselves, but being our, our purposeful selves, right? Understanding that, like, just think of your life. Think of your normal routine that in the, what you would probably consider uh, uh, mundane, what you would put under the category of unspiritual, God's looking at it and he's going, no, that's not unspiritual at all. Right, so you're getting up to go to school, you're getting up to go to work, you're getting, I mean, you know, you're staying at home, you're looking up to kids, and just all that we do in this life, that God's going, I can use that. In fact, I do use that. I can shine through that. And it's like, and I know I've said this phrase before, but I love this phrase, uh, is that a healthy church, a serving church, believes that every day is go to work with your Father Day, wherever you're going whatever you're doing, right? Don't just think churchy. It's just you living life. Uh, so a healthy church believes that God made us for a purpose. We'll go on to number two. So what, is that, what does that look like then? Okay, there's the concept. We, okay, we've got a purpose this side of heaven. So what does it look like? Number two, a healthy church, a serving church, believes that Jesus is our example. So again, what does it look like? You know, like... like Walking this purpose out, what, is, you know, what does a healthy church, a serving church look like in the way we interact with other people, the way we treat other people as we go about our lives? Well, listen to this, Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, here's what it looks like. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Well, that sounds pretty easy, right? No, not at all. When I, when I read that, I just sat back and laughed. I thought, that just sounds like a fairy tale to me. That sounds like such a, like just so out there ideal. But here's the thing. Those two verses, I believe this side of heaven, what I've just read about how, you know, uh, uh, how we treat people and value people and serve people. I believe that right there, verse 3 and 4, Philippians 2, that's the primary work God will be doing in all of our lives till the day we die. He's teaching us how to love like Jesus loved. Right? And I think it's going to take, well, a lifetime because wouldn't you agree that we live in a culture that we are consumed by me first? Right? We're just consumed by that as human beings. That, you know, every decision, I, and I think like every decision that we make runs through this filter of, well, what's in it for me? Right? So, so when we're trying to decide something, you know, our, our decision process, or again, the filter that we run it through is like, well, uh, how is this going to make me look? Is this going to make me happier? Is this going to make me feel better about myself? 
Right? Wouldn't you agree that we, we have this, this, this filter where I don't know if I'm going to commit to something, I don't know if I'm going to invest in something or if I'm going to you know, join up with something until, I can, until I've determined I'm going to benefit from it. I mean, wouldn't you agree? That's a sickness in our culture. And here's one of the challenges of that is that, 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 uh, that you know, me first or what, you know, what do I get out of it, it doesn't just affect our own hearts and our decision-making process. It also gets... Uh, it, it, it blinds us. It gets into our eyes and the way we see other people. Because wouldn't you agree that when, like, like we look at other people and we start to, to uh, you know, determine their value based on what we get from them. Does that make sense? Like, so think about that question. I mean, how do you determine a person's value? Right? Is it the way they look? Is it their abilities? Right? And again, is it, is it based on what, how they benefit me, right? Um, again, this, this me first, this, it's, it's, it's blinded us, our eyes. We don't see clearly. Listen, listen to this quote. Uh, C.S. Lewis, yet again, says, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Do you get that? If we really saw people the way God sees us, that that we would see them very differently than we we do now. Here's what I mean. I was, uh, about three years ago, I was sitting in my office uh, having a a meeting with a guy, and he was going to get baptized, and part of the baptism process is we... We have this questionnaire that you fill out, like, tell us about your life. And basically, it's your testimony. Tell us about your life before you met Jesus. How did you meet Jesus? And, and how is your life different now that you've met Jesus? And this guy was sharing his story. And just to look at this guy, you would say, it's sort of written all over him, I've had a hard life. Right? He was sharing how he was an alcoholic and just lots of hard things, lots of bad choices. And just he just looked like... I've, you know, I've gone through the mud a lot. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and he's talking about Jesus and how he's met Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, as I'm, you know, we're talking, I'm, uh, it's like God just whispered into my mind. And he said, you are in the presence of royalty. And I looked at this guy, and it's not like suddenly, poof, he turned into Brad Pitt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I see it. That is royalty, right? He didn't, he didn't. He didn't change at all. What changed was me, my eyes. It's like, and I don't know how to describe it, but it was like for this little split second, a window opened, and, and suddenly I saw this man just as beautiful and regal and royal, right? And, 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 but it was just a little, it was just a split second, and then it weighed, and then I, then I just went back to judging him, right? But I was joking. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, well, we assume that. Isn't that part of a pastor's job? Yeah. I'll be doing an equip class on judging. Let's <laughs> get it back here. Okay, but how is it then, how do we change, or more accurately, how does God change the way we see other people? Right? Why don't we, uh, Doug, you want to throw that picture up? I was uh, playing around with some watercolors on the weekend. Just threw this together. 
But no, uh, many of you probably recognize this. This, this is a, a, a famous Rembrandt painting, and it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Just, so the prodigal son is the guy with his back to us. And, you, and you know, I know you're probably familiar with the story, but you know, this, this young guy, he, he's just blown it, right? Takes his father, gives him all this money. He goes off, squanders it, and, you know, just crazy living. He ends up, hits rock bottom, and, in, you know, when he's, in, when he's in that really hard place, he goes, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go home, and maybe my dad will at least let me be a slave. That would be much better than, than where I'm living right now. So he goes home, and if you remember the story, the father not only lets him come home, but the father totally forgives him and, and totally restores him to, to his position as a, as, a, as a loved son, right? So how does God change the way we see others? Well, listen to this. To the extent that we've experienced being the son, our rebellion, our failures, our, and to the extent that we've experienced our father's forgiveness and complete restoration to our position as his child, will directly determine the extent to which we can now turn and be the father to someone else. Like, does that make sense? Right? To, this, to the extent that we realize, just like that picture, that our father, it, we have royally blown it to, again and again and again, that our father not only forgives us, but totally restores us to our place as his, you know, as his loved and valued child, to the extent that we not only know that, but have experienced that, we're able to turn to others and give it away. Because here's the thing. Like in life, do you have to win? Right? At school, at work. I mean, in relationships, do you have to be better than everybody else? Right? Uh, are you threatened by others? Are you jealous of others? Do you find that you're quick to, to get impatient, to judge others, to just write people off? Uh, uh, you know, are you greedy, right? Do you hoard your stuff, your money? I mean, is there a little asterisk beside your name that says does not play well with others, right? Well, here's the thing. You know what's broken in you? You know what's broken in me? When I see those things, when, I, when I'm living those things out of my life, what's, what's broken is we've forgotten who and whose we are, right? See, the truth is, if this is true, if what, what, what the Bible says about us is true, that means that this morning, this room is filled with royalty, right? If we could sort of pull back the curtain, I, I, it would blow our minds. That as I look at you, here in front of me, are a, a, it's a room full of sons and daughters of the king, princes, princesses, right? Now, I know we don't, this side of heaven, we're not fully gonna, gonna get it, we will one day, but the truth is, we are incredibly rich. The truth is, we, we are just so loved and valued by our Father, you know, that, that to, to, to follow the example of Jesus is like, oh yeah, I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to, because I'm, I'm covered. My Father's got me covered. Oh, I, oh no, you, hey, you go ahead. I don't need to beat you. I mean, look who loves me, right? So to the extent that we, that we understand that, not just understand it, but experience it, to the extent that we experience that, it, it not only opens our eyes, but it frees us up in this life. It frees us up to follow the example of Jesus. Let's, let's read on. Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, 
Your attitude, you know, what does it look like? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know that, how do we fight that me first? How do we fight that, you know, that, that or, or destroy that filter of what's in it for me? It's like the current of our culture is just racing this way. It's turning against that current and it's, it's going the opposite direction. And I put it this way, it's, it's purposeful self-denying. Denial, purposeful self-denial. That as we interact with other people, that we actually look for opportunities to take the role of a servant, right? Um, on New Year's Eve, uh, my wife Helen, she, there's, a, there's a family we know in, in Blacklick, you know, like New Albany, they have this huge mansion. And my wife's uh, done some work for them. And this, the lady that lives there, she loves to throw parties. And so there's been times where my wife and a couple of the ladies have gone out there and they've served at these parties, right? So New Year's Eve, they called and they invited my wife to come work New Year's Eve. They're going to have a party. And uh, I'm not a big New Year's Eve guy. I'm happy to go to bed at, you know, 10 o'clock. I don't have to stay up. And I mean, it's, I'm going to wake up the next day. And well, hey, look, it's, it's like it was yesterday. But, but, uh, um, but they invited her. And so Helen said, hey, could my husband come along? Uh, because then we could spend New Year's Eve together. And they said, sure. So, so we're going to go be the servant, this party. And on the way, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to, uh, uh, and not in a goofy way, but I made this decision. I am going to pretend or take on the role of servant, right? I'm going to go there and just be a servant, right? So, so we, we went there, and they had us doing all kinds of stuff. And whatever they asked me to do, you know, I was doing dishes. I was uh, taking out the garbage. I was um, uh, uh, we were cooking lobster, <laughs> which is normal, but uh, <laughs> I've never seen one before, actually, only in pictures, but, but I, I, playing with their grandkids, I mean, I just tried to take the posture of a servant. Now, these people are sweet, and, you know, I mean, they're not bossy, but it was, it was fun, I mean, because I can't relate to being a servant. That's just foreign to me, right? But it was fun to try to put myself into a place of, of I'll do whatever you, well, whatever you ask. I'll, I'll do it. I'll clean that. Oh, I'll get that. You know, whatever they ask me to do. And here's the thing. Philippians 2, when it says that Jesus made himself nothing, the Greek word is a word kanoun. And what it means is it means to empty. See, Jesus, when he came to earth, he emptied himself of his divinity. He emptied himself of, I mean, the, the ultimate power position. He he emptied himself, right? Second uh, Corinthians 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, and I mean rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's our example, right? A healthy church, a serving church, looks for opportunities to empty themselves, to become poor, so that someone else might become rich. 
right? To, to stoop low so that someone else might be lifted up, right? And here's the thing. I mean, just think of your day. Just think of all that you do in your day. Uh, uh, think of times when, you, when you're in a place of power, you know, like, and, and, and just try to imagine that all those times are opportunities to choose to be a servant, right? Like, you, you want to have a healthy marriage? Well, let go, like, don't, like, choose to serve your spouse, not to rule your spouse. Choose to serve them, to humble yourself. You, uh, in your relationships, family, friends, in your business, dealing with your employees, dealing with your customers, choose, choose to, you know, to empty yourself, to look for opportunities to go low so that someone else can be lifted up. See, again, God, God does, doesn't just want uh, us to follow that example here, right? It's when you leave today, when you go to the restaurant and the waiter or the waitress messes up your, your order. Don't, oh, Roy, well, there goes their tip. Right? You're in the power position. Empty yourself. Choose to serve those people. Uh, so a healthy church, a serving church is a church that believes that God made us for a purpose, a daily purpose. A healthy church, a serving church is a church that believes that Jesus is our example in living that purpose. And then finally, a healthy church is a church that believes that God's way is the best way. I mean, all that I've been saying this morning, right, that every day of our lives, a healthy church, a serving church believes that, okay, I'm on a mission today. And what does that mission look like? It's a mission of humility. It's a mission of serving. It's a mission of emptying myself. So if you hear all that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a healthy church believes that that really is true, right? And belief means you, you put it into action. But, you know, you may be sitting there today and going, okay, okay. Uh, maybe this worked in the first century. But this is 2015. If you act like that, you're just going to be a doormat. People are just going to walk all over you, right? You may, be, you may be listening to this and going, you know, if I was honest, I think Jesus is kind of weak, right? Or you may even go so far, I think Jesus was kind of a Democrat. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, let's, let's test the room. How are things going? But seriously, I, if this is true, right, this is not our culture, is it? Right? But, but a healthy church, a serving church, it's a, it's a gathering of people who have said yes to the call of God, not to the call of our culture. Right? We're, we walk to the beat of a, of a, of a different drum. Right? And, and so it's like you've probably heard this term. It's in, in, in what we see, what Jesus teaches is it's an upside-down kingdom where the powerful and the strong, they don't use their might for themselves, they use others. The rich, they use it for others, not for themselves. That's, that's the kingdom of God. It's an upside-down kingdom. And, and it's like, you know, and again, it's so against the grain of our culture because what the Bible says is, if you, do you really want to find life? Like, you really want to experience true life where, you know, purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment and all these things we, we try to squeeze out of life. Do you really want to find that? Well, here's how you do it. The Bible says, Mark 8 uh, 
It says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow me, this is Jesus, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? True life is found in following the example of Jesus. And here's the crazy thing about this is uh, following Jesus, that's, that is not the easy path. And, and the reality is, and this is why I just think, like it's like this is not a good like, travel brochure. You know, come follow me. You know, come choose the, the, the you know, come be a servant and, and, and live, you know, walk this hard path. And, and the reality is we may not see the, 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 the satisfaction. We may not fully see the fulfillment until we get to heaven, right? But here's the thing that I can promise us is we, you know, a healthy church, a serving church, is we follow in the example of Jesus. What I can promise us is friendship with Jesus. I mean, if you, you want to be friends with someone, what do you do? You need to be with them. You spend time with them. You do what they're doing. Right? And as we follow the example of Jesus, that's, we're, we're with Jesus. And here's the thing. I think, uh, you know, you need, you need to go where he's going and do what he's doing. James 4.8 says this. It says, come near to God. Right? Go to what he's doing, and he'll come near to you. But see, I think for many of us, we've got it backwards. We've got, we've got our plans all laid out in front of us. Okay, here's, you know, here's my plans, here's my dreams, here's my hopes, here's my expectations. And we look at God and we say, hey God, would you come over here to me and would you make all this happen? Right, because from our limited perspective, we look at all these things and we go, okay, that's gonna heal me, that's gonna uh, give me purpose, you know, that's gonna give me joy, that's gonna give me a sense of fulfillment in this life. Well. It's not true, right? And what God is saying to us today is he's saying, no, I want you to come over here with me and I want to show you. I want to I renew your heart. I want to clean your eyes so you can see clearer because, because his way is not the way of our culture. He wants to, you know, give us new hearts and, and teach us how to be little Christs as we go about our lives. So let, let's stand up. JT, if you want to come on up. Here's how we're going to end off. You know, again, it's, I prayed this earlier on. I realized even all this week as I was going through this, I would just sit back and I'd just go, God, this is impossible. Like, you know, as, as I was studying this and looking at Philippians 2 especially, I just thought, <laughs> I'm a lousy servant. Right? I am consumed by me, me, me. I'm mean, just consumed by it. Right? And I'm so aware that, that if God doesn't, come, uh, doesn't, doesn't change this heart, that I, I'm hopeless. It has to be him. So all I can do is just say, here I am, Lord. Come to me. It's like that, you know, the, the picture of he's the potter and we're the what? We're the clay. Well, clay is just, pff, it's just clay. Can't do anything for itself. And what I want to do is, JT's going to lead us in a song, and it's just a beautiful song, and it's a prayer. And I want us 
I want this room to be filled with a bunch of lumps of clay just singing this song to the Lord this morning and just to sing it to him as a prayer just to say, you know, Potter, God, come. Come mold me. Make me into a little Christ. Come, you know, get your hands on me. And so... uh, So, Lord, I pray that you would just come right now. Uh, Just come and empower this song and this prayer. Lord, we need you to come close and and, and just to change our hearts. So let's, let's sing this song.
You know, who would say, even as through the message, or even just singing that, who would say, just, just to put your hand up, that I'm just aware that I, I got a lot to learn about being a servant. I need a new heart. Right? So here's how we're going to end off today. And that's like, well, a lot of you. If you could just put your hand up again, we're just going to take, right? We're going to take some time just to pray for one another. So if you want to put your hand up now, are there going to be less hands up? No, put them up, the ones that put them up. Just put them up high. And if you look around you, does someone have their hand up? Just go put your hand on their shoulder, right? Let's, just, let's be the body. Let's minister to these parts. Put your hand on their shoulder. And all you have to pray is, Lord, I just bless what you're doing in this person's heart. That's all you have to do. So look around you. You, you may have to move uh, unless you have really long arms. So put your hands up. Those that put them up high. Don't be, it's a good thing. So if someone's around you that has their hand up, you need to walk over to them. <laughs> like you might have to move your feet. There we go. Okay, and if, some, if, some, if your hand's up and someone's praying for you, uh, you can take your hand down. But if you've, no one's praying for you, keep it up high, okay? I see some over here. Okay, you're getting prayer. Is everyone getting prayed for? It looks like it. So we're just going to spend a few minutes just praying. So just bless what God is doing. You don't have to pray a lot. Just say, Lord, I bless what you're doing in this person's heart. Right. Teach him how to serve. Right? And I believe for many of us, he's even bringing people to mind. Okay, you want to learn how to serve? It's going to start with them, right? It could be your spouse. It could be a child, a neighbor, someone at work, someone at school. That, okay, this week you're going to have an opportunity to empty yourself. You're going to have an opportunity to follow the example of Jesus. So just take some time to pray. Just come, Lord. Or we bless all that you're doing in our hearts. We welcome you here, Lord. Give us, give us new hearts. Make us more like Jesus today. Lord, make us more like Jesus. Lord, set us free from our me first. Set us free from our arrogance, Lord. Set us free from our selfishness. Make us like Jesus. Make us generous, Lord. Freely we've received. Help us to freely give. And I pray today for some that, even that picture of the prodigal, I pray today just for a refreshment and just for a, 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 a fresh awareness, a fresh experience of how much you love us, just of how incredibly rich we are, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I, again, I, I really believe that for many of you, God is bringing people to mind. Okay, this is where, here's your... Here's your uh, this is where you're going to get, you, you know, this is where you're going to put this to practice, right? And Lord, I pray for lots of opportunities this week. Uh, you know, again, at home, at school, on the freeway, lots of opportunities to humble ourselves. Lord, thank you, Father. Hmm. Well, we're going to end the service off. We're a little early. If you want to get your money back at the door, feel free. But, uh, you know, if you're still praying, feel free to continue. But just, uh, you know, my prayer is that God will just keep, keep reminding us this week of just the example of Jesus. And I encourage you, even if, you know, if you go out for lunch now, look at that waiter and waitress differently, right? 
find a way to humble yourself and to, and, and to lift them up or just whatever you do this week. Just look for opportunities. But bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Make sure you check out. There's lots of uh, info, small group info in the lobby and sign up, etc. But have a one. We'll see you next week.